If you have ED, Peak Performance for Men has the solution you've been waiting for. Get six treatments free with qualifying treatment protocol enrollment. Call Columbus's only trusted, focused linear compression therapy provider today at 614-739-8181. That's 614-739-8181. At Kroger, we believe it takes the right team to bring you the freshest produce. That's why we partner with farmers who grow only the best. And that level of teamwork means better, fresher options time and time again. Working with farmers is what it takes to be fresh for everyone. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome, folks, to Episode 7 of the Michiana People Podcast. Before I talk about my guest for this episode, I wanted to put an invite out there for all the musicians listening. I'd like to get an original intro tune for the show. could have words about the show or just a nice instrumental of 15 to 30 seconds. I think it'd be really cool to have a local artist featured at the beginning of the podcast. And I have to say, I can't offer anything in the way of payment, but you will get credit for the intro music and have my eternal gratitude. If you're interested, shoot me an email at scott at michianapeople.com. Thanks, guys. In this episode, I talked to Dave Van Dyke. Dave almost brought me to tears with his song about Mr. Rogers. It was uh, it was so good. Uh, we had a great conversation that went from music to teaching to the daughters of the Re- American Revolution and Dave's 105 year old grandmother. Uh, it was a great. It was a very good conversation. Sponsors for the Michiana People podcast include Mapletronics Computers. If you're a home user or a business with a large computer network, Mapletronics will listen to your needs and help you get your computer or network to meet your expectations. Go to mapletronics.com forward slash Michiana People for an absolutely free gift just for listening to the podcast. Our other sponsor is MSW Marketing Services. Grant from MSW made my website, helped me with uh, some social networking and marketing and uh, actually designed the logo for the website. Grant does a great job. Uh, he's a, a genius at managing your uh, social media. You can find Grant at facebook.com forward slash MSW Michiana and tell him I sent you. Finally, I want to hear your feedback and your guest ideas. Uh, tell me what what you think and who you think I should be talking to. You can shoot me an email at scott at michianapeople.com or message me on the Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Michiana People Podcast. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to tell your friends. Hi, folks. Welcome back to the Michiana People Podcast. Our guest today is Dave Van Dyke. Dave is a founding member of the Van Dyke Review Band, a middle school science teacher at Clay Intermediate Center. He also holds a PhD from Andrews University and has completed five marathons. Dave, you're a real renaissance man. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for coming in. Hey, uh, you know, I've got some things I want to talk about. Why don't we go right into one of your original songs? All right. So this is a song about... uh let me give it a second. It's called 143 Means I Love You. Okay. And um, I was right. I wrote this album, which we're going to talk about in the right. last song. Uh, my wife and I, she brought me a YouTube clip of Mr. Rogers with uh, a little boy that was in a wheelchair. Uh-huh. Have a son that's disabled. And we were so okay. by that. Then I did some research into him and I found that the man was a living saint. Yeah, uh-huh. so well loved that when he lived in Philadelphia, his car was stolen. Uh huh. The next, he went on the radio and said, "My car was stolen." 
came outside and the thieves had returned his car with a note on the windshield that read, if we knew it was you, we wouldn't have taken it in the first place. Wow. And so <laughs> he had a number, a number that he perseverated on called 143. Uh-huh. And that corresponds with his favorite sentence. Um, okay. One has one I, four L-O-V-E, three you y-o-u oh wow i love you just say that so here's a song i wrote about mr rogers when i was a little bitty boy i would come home after school and a man would tell me he loved me and that everything was cool math made no sense to me jim was like hard labor but Mr. Rogers became my friend and I became his neighbor Cause 143 it means I love you And I love you each and every way Come on over here, come be my neighbor Won't you be my neighbor today? was a dark mouth dropout, but he laid out for his kids. And once he met my cousin, and he checked out her new digs. In every way he was colorblind, he did not castigate. He said, God loves you just the way you are, anyhow, at any rate. 143, it means I love you. And I love you each and every way. Time put on a sweater, he put on his inside shoes. The train to the land of make believe would always take away my blues. When I got a little older, Eddie Murphy misspoke. What was wrong with Mr. Rogers? I said I did not get the joke. 143, it means I love you, and I love you each and every way. Come on over here. And he did an encore, a final curtain call. He said, don't you be afraid now, Mr. Rogers loves you all. I don't know about TV, and I don't know about showbiz, but if there is a heaven, well, I sure know where he is, cause 143 means I love you, and I love you each and every way. Come on here, come be my neighbor Won't you be my neighbor today? Thank you, that was great. And that's a first on the uh, Michiana People podcast. We got some live music. Now, the title of that track is 143 Means I Love You. And that is a moving piece of work. I really like that. I appreciate that. I'm playing my wife's. My guitar is actually getting repaired. Uh The band has taken a couple 
Taking about three weeks off. My dad had surgery, so I'm getting my acoustic repaired. Okay. Live. This is my wife's D250. Okay. So I've been, okay. I've had this guitar for at least 35 years now. Wow. That's it's got some nice tone to it. Thanks. I busted it in college, but uh, <laughs> somebody fixed the neck and made it sound better than it did. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. Thank you. Now, I wanted, I, I normally start at the beginning, but I kind of want to start at the middle with you. <laughs> we, uh, uh, the, the thing that really got me is when, when we were corresponding before the interview, you sent me a track called uh, Evil Knievel Never Died. Right. And I listened to it and I fell in love immediately. So I started researching a little bit more about you and, and uh, doing the Google thing and doing the okay. YouTube thing. So... What I want to do is I want to do I want to list the tracks on the your CD a decade of David and the Goliaths, okay. and then I just want to talk about how you came about putting these songs together. Track one is Evil Knievel Never Died. Track two is Petty Patty Hearst Got Taken That Night. Track three Ode to JD. Track four Swimsuit Barbie Doll. Track five Rotten Sleazy Crook. Track six, Glacier of Tears. Track seven, Tricky Dick Was Bad. Track eight, No Love From This Canal. Track nine, the one we heard, 143 Means I Love You. Track 10, Ali. So from what I read is you watched a documentary on Evil Knievel, and you told me you were born in 71, but you totally became enamored with the 70s, and you wanted to do a concept album that kind of puts all the bullet points of the 70s together. That's, that's what I got. Tell, tell, me about, tell me about that. I will. Um, I'm trying to remember all the things that are on the album. So, <laughs> so it started, um, I have a, he's, he's passed away now. I, I have a friend who had a, a national, uh, an international limerick contest. Okay. So, um, I kind of got obsessed with limericks mm -hmm. and, um, I started to write them and, and I found that one of them, I wrote a bunch of limericks about evil Knievel uh -huh. and I put it to music. It okay. Wasn't. And I, I read that um, there's a good book by Lee Monville, uh, about Evil Knievel's life. The only uh -huh. difference between you and me and Evil Knievel is that he was willing to get hurt really, really <laughs> badly. So right. He would, like he didn't, today when you see daredevils, they know exactly what they're going to do and they're not right. nearly as, as at much risk. No. Evil Knievel would just show up and there was about one out of every five times he had some horrific crash and there, he, he really did risk right. his life to do those things. Yeah. Right? See, I'm a little bit older than you, so I was of the age that I was watching all these as they happened. I watched yeah. Snake River Canyon. Uh -huh. I watched I watched him jump all the cars, the vans, and, and all that. And I saw saw live the bones being broken. Yeah. Well, he, he wasn't, and he did it without shocks. Or, right. Yeah. And he would just, he was more a showman, more a showman than anything else. He right. Would, Somebody would break his record of 13 buses, and he'd say, hey, give me 14. We'll do it one more time. Uh -huh. And he would just do that. He, right. Uh, he was uh, not a good person, especially as a hardcore alcoholic, and uh -huh. wasn't kind to his wife or other people, but that doesn't make him less interesting. Right. Right. So that was kind of that was kind of the nucleus of, of, of all that, and then you just... Took it, took it all the way through the seventies. It looks like I did. What was the next track? On? Got 
Patty Hearst got taken that night. Oh, yeah. That was real interesting. That was a neat progression. It was just, um, it started out A, F sharp, D, E, which is kind of the same progression that you might play uh, Unchained Melody. Okay. But it's got a different tempo. Okay. It's got a different tempo, and my father added violin to it. Okay. So that's good. Um, the only track that, I, that I'm not, that I'm somewhat reluctant about is about, um, I wrote one about Dick Nixon because I needed a uh-huh. killer. And I had read, there's a really funny essay that Hunter S. Thompson wrote when when Richard Nixon died. It was called He Was a Crook. Uh-huh. And I got a lot of flack for the song. I didn't even. Yeah. <laughs> Richard Nixon resigned when I was like three. Right, so right. I didn't know anything about him. But yeah. Apparently he has his fans out there. Yeah. <laughs> I know I know. Watergate kind of interrupted my cartoons for a couple of weeks. Yeah. That's, <laughs> so that was, so. Yeah, people listen to that, and it's not yeah. in vain with the album, but yeah, whatever. Well, I can say I was I was I was fascinated when you sent me that that song, and then uh, there's there's a documentary on uh, YouTube where you, you pretty much play the entire album in yeah. live settings, uh, and I'll I'll post a link to that when I okay. when I post this. But uh, I think it's uh, I, I just think it's really cool. Um, so you say your, your your dad plays violin. You must have grown up musically then. I did. I play in a band currently with my father, and he plays three instruments. Okay. He plays the violin, the piano, and the guitar. Okay. And I play the guitar and the harmonica and the lap dulcimer. Okay. Um, so I do that. And he, he started me playing when I was about 13. Mm-hmm. It's, been, it's been a long time. Right, right. And you, uh, you, you sound very accomplished. You played a little bit before we started, and then and, and, and that song uh, sounded very well too. Tell me a little bit about your your relationship to uh, Roger Ebert. Oh, well, he's uh, the one that started the Limerick contest. Uh, <laughs> he he started the Limerick contest. He has um, or had, excuse me, he and his wife uh, Chaz had a house in Harvard, um, which is near where I live uh-huh. in New Buffalo okay and he liked the band mm-hmm. the band released music and liked it and started corresponding and he was nonverbal because he uh-huh. was dying of cancer right. and removed his throat so he and I went back and forth on email and I joined his kind of Ebert blog world uh-huh. and he promoted my album and then when I I wrote my dissertation um, he was really, I, I was a science teacher mm-hmm. for a long time. I wrote my dissertation. He asked me if he could post it on his website. So I did, and overnight, you know, many, many thousands of people had read my dissertation. Uh-huh. And then, uh, you know, an interesting story. He wrote a book in 1986 called The Perfect London Walk. He wrote, he co-wrote it. Okay. And I went to London in 2013 and on my last day there, I called my wife, and she told me, or on my last day there, I called my wife, and she told me that Roger Ebert had died on April 4th. And as I'm sitting there, I had copied off the itinerary on his book right before I did that, and I went uh-huh. on the walk in London that he had written about. Oh, wow. From Hampstead Heath. So I, I went there early in the morning, and I made a rubbing of... A monument, uh-huh. and I sent it to his wife, and I went to Highgate Cemetery, and I'm certain that I was the only person that was in 
on his London walk because there was nobody else there. Right. It was there the morning that he passed away. Wow. About that book. That's wild. I don't know if that's serendipitous or not. But yeah. I didn't plan it that way. It right. just happened. That's a neat connection. So with with all with, with all the music, it, it's a little bit odd to me that a uh, musician, a, a left brain type person, is uh, uh, teaching science. Do you just use both sides equally, or <laughs> how does that work for you? Well, I, I became an administrator two years ago. Okay, it's an old fact sheet. Oh, okay, um, I I don't know. It's just something that I was always interested in. Mm-hmm. I, you know, honestly, I went to college mm-hmm. and. My advisor, a very nice lady named Bernice Schultz, said, I, she said, what do you want to do? And I said, well, maybe I'll be a teacher. And she said, okay, just sign up for this. Okay. And as I was going through college, by the time I got around to thinking about changing my major, I had a year to go. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I just did it. I just finished it. Uh-huh. And then I worked in social services for about five years and lived out west. Got the got my wanderlust out, and I mm-hmm. came back, and I applied for a teaching position through South Bend School Corporation, and the first place I, I interviewed was a middle school. Mm-hmm. James Knight hired me, and I stayed in the same classroom for 15 years. Wow. I just taught science, and I had to get my endorsement, and just mm-hmm. kind of fell in love with it. Cool. Since then, and... I liked it. I liked teaching natural history so much that I wrote my dissertation on evolution. Okay, great. So, I mean, right, that's how it progressed. Right. So, are you uh, in in the camp that thinks that uh, you've been teaching in in administration for a while? You think kids are any different than than they were when you were a kid? No. I don't think that, I, I don't think that they're any different. I do think that family structure is different mm-hmm. um, because we have parents that work a lot more. We have a lot more single parent families. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that essentially, for the most part, kids are the same. It's the same as they've been for a long time. Right? They they learn the same. They have different expectations, but for the for the most part, I don't think they're that different. Right? The kids. All, all kids can learn regardless of the variables they carry with them. Right. What do you think uh, are the pluses and minuses of uh, technology, the, the way technology has evolved since we were kids? Oh, I love talking about this. So, you know, the world changed when the Internet came along. Right. It, it changed. and I, I, Nowadays, kids have instant access to information. Mm-hmm. When I went to school, you got the card catalog. Yeah. You went and looked up a book and summarized it. Uh-huh. Now the kids have it instantly. Right. Um, I... I think that I think the technology should support good pedagogy mm-hmm. and not replace it. Right. It's not, teaching is both an art and a science, mm-hmm. um, and the art is knowing children and working with them and finding out what to do and thinking on your feet. The science mm-hmm. is very research based. The technology supports the science. Right. Support. I, I do think eventually we're going to go to a like a bookless, a paperless mm-hmm. uh, classroom. Right. I'm already seeing some of that. Yeah. It's just not needed anymore. Right. Right. 
you can find that kids still have to think critically. They still need to do the same things and challenge themselves. Right. That's one that you mentioned something uh, right there about the critical thinking. I think that sometimes the the instant search, the instant Google search, mm-hmm. can replace critical thinking in 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 some cases, and that's that's one thing that that worries me a little bit. And then uh, we were talking beforehand, and I've got two two grown children, but they grew up in the internet age. We had internet from from the time that they were born, pretty much, and. Uh, uh, and I, that's one of the things I worried about, but it turned out not really to be much of a problem, but we, we always made sure things were turned off at, at the right time too. <laughs> well, I think it, you know, you have to be discerning. Mm-hmm. The internet is a tool. Right. It's like your pencil is a tool. Right. And the, 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 the whiteboards and all the other things that teachers use their tools to support them. Right. Right. It doesn't. You know, if you do it as long as I have, you find that technology will come and go and somebody will say, well, look, this will change everything and make your scores go up. And it yeah. just doesn't work. Like right. That. Right. You got you got to work that brain. Right. Absolutely. And the great thing about technology is, is, is we corresponded and I was able to find out everything I want to know about you within about 15 minutes. So. <laughs> you know, I, I would say that that's part of it that, that kind of scares me a little bit. Uh-huh. I, yeah. When I, I, I can go into my, my school library mm-hmm. and I can have a fourth grader find a picture of my house looking inside my window yep. from Google Earth. And yeah. Think, you know, if a fourth grader can do that at a public school, yeah. I kind of wonder what somebody who really wants to do it could do. Right, could, right. If they can do that, they can find if a nine-year-old can do that on a public school computer, uh-huh. then then anybody who really wanted to could find out a whole lot more about me than I want them to know. Right, right. So, it, it, it can be intrusive. Uh, as a And I would call myself an uber mu- music fan um, who does not play music except for on the radio and the stereo. Um, but uh, I went through a period of time where... I didn't think any of the new music was any good. And it was just because there was such a barrage of it that I couldn't, I couldn't piece it out. Uh, do you, do you have any, uh, bands, uh, either indie bands or bands that nobody's heard or heard of that you like to follow? Somewhat. Honestly, I, I like a lot of the local groups. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. I, um, I like a, a group called Hey Annie. Which okay. Is, which is, um, it's the father of one of my students. Okay. I like going to see them. Um, I like the Ember Jar. I like to listen to Dina, Dina, Dina play. Okay. Which is pretty good. Uh-huh. Um, Jetta, Jetta and the Jelly Beans, they were a kids group. My son, uh-huh. <laughs> my son liked them quite a bit. I, uh, honestly, I, I play and it's my own fault. It's my own fault because I'll just book gigs perpetually. Uh-huh. <laughs> but honestly, I'll play friday and saturday nights so often and uh-huh. that but when i actually get one off i don't go hear other music i just stay home yeah decompress a little bit <laughs> yeah and and i found that i can't really go look for it i ha- it has to come to me organically so mm-hmm. if i if i hear that somebody else likes something then i'll i, I might check it out mm-hmm. and i i kind of just build a, what i call a small music family tree based on what i already like and then when i see they like somebody else then i go that way there are some there are some songs that i like so much mm-hmm. that i refuse to 
that I'll refuse to learn how to play them and won't play them live uh-huh. because then they'll kill it for me. Yeah. Like, I I love this song, you know. I used to love Fire and Rain, uh-huh. but now that I play it all the time, yeah, <laughs> play it for people all the time, it's lost its allure. Yeah. So there are a whole bunch of those other songs that I just kind of force myself to listen to. And yeah. How to play. Yeah. I just listened to an interview with uh, James Taylor, and uh, boy, he's he's had an interesting life. He certainly has. And he's taking it very well. The you know the problems he's been through, but man, uh, he he came out of it, and uh, a lot of people wouldn't have. Do you know yeah. the Beatles discovered him? Oh, really? Paul. Okay. When he sings with a holy host of others standing uh-huh. around me, that's who he's referring to. Okay. The Beatles discovered him in, in Abbey Road Studio. Okay. He wrote, he wrote "Fire and Rain" about a person who had committed suicide uh-huh. while he was there. Wow. He couldn't get when he says, "Just yesterday morning, they let me know you were gone." Right. He had just found out he had spent time in a mental hospital. Right. He was a uh, suffering from heroin addiction. Mm-hmm. He was doing all that introspective songwriting while he was there. Right. He was famous. Yeah. Yeah, that, he, he's definitely had a life. Now, you've written some children's music as well, right? right. I write lots of kids' songs because I needed the money. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let's be honest, because I needed the money. Uh-huh. And when I taught, it was a lot easier if I could entertain him with my guitar. Uh-huh. But um, I host a children's music series entertainment series called Stop, Lunch, and Listen in Buchanan. Okay. And that starts at noon, I think. I think on June 7th, but don't quote me on that. It's every okay. Thursday on June 7th, and we have about 50 to 100 kids, and I always play a few songs first and then introduce the act. That's not true. 52. We've had a, upwards of 500 kids. Wow. There, but... I wrote lots of children's songs. One I like a lot is by my my son when he was little. Used to really obsess about fire trucks. Uh huh. So we wrote a song called the Fire Safety Song. <laughs> and, um, Should you play with matches? No, that's why we keep them out of reach. Should you play with chemicals? Stay away from the ammonia and the bleach. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I got, I got lots of those. Yeah, that's I, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I have lots of those, but yeah, I, I, I don't. I only think I've only recorded a couple of them. Mm. Yeah, being being able to just light up a kid, you know, I, I I know you're doing it to to supplement the income, but being able to light up a kid's life for a little while is really cool. Oh, the kids like it, and I would when I taught, I discovered that my students absolutely loved it. If I included their name in a song, uh-huh. it's like so on their birthday, instead of singing "Happy Birthday," I'd compose a little compose a little tune for them, uh, a little personal do. tune. That's neat. Out of hand because you do it for one. And they all right. So, are you still are you still running marathons? Are you still training for um, them? Or I am going to run my. I'm not doing marathons. I did my sixth and last one. Last a couple years ago, I did. I donated a kidney to my mom. Okay. In April. And my marathon days are behind me. Okay. I do a couple half. Right. I'm going to do a half, the, the sunburst in June. Uh-huh. So I'm kind of sort of training for that. Yeah. Is there right? <laughs> I'm 
as much as I practice for it, I should be better at it. I'm just terrible yeah. at it. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm just terrible. My, my best time is well over four hours. Uh huh. Well, just doing it is, is a big thing. I've, I've got a few friends that do it and you know, I've, I've got one that's, that's my age is going to run his first in Nashville here in uh, June, I believe. So. Oh yeah. I've heard good things about the Nashville marathon. Yeah. I've done Chicago three times. I've done uh, one in Ohio. I've done I know this one before. I did one in one in Grand Rapids, which I liked a lot. Mm-hmm. And then I did one in, indoor marathon in Goshen a couple years ago. Okay. Okay. So when you're not administrating and playing music and everything else you have to do, what what other hobbies do you get into? I like to write. Okay. Um, I'm writing. My father just had surgery. Okay. And his house is like a museum. Okay. Um, it's an it's a barn that was put up in 1922. Okay. Barn, and he he's an artist. Uh huh. So his art his hands are everywhere. Okay. And I wrote about um, a manse, which is a, a stained glass window from oh. a manse. Okay. That he's put into his house it came from a presbyterian church in chicago Uh and he's got some beams that are at least 150 years old wow that are inside and i've so to pass the time i've been writing about that okay and um because i spent a lot of time over there Uh and it's just a really fascinating thing he's made um his walk is made of bedrock Uh from his grandfather's farm okay pennsylvania so he took his beat up old truck and drove it twelve hours to his great to his grandfather's farm. Right. And got some rocks and some bedrock out of the creek. Uh-huh. Carved a B in it for bowling or the name. So every time he steps on that he's reminded of his ancestors. Cool. Isn't that fascinating? That is really neat. Maybe maybe I should talk to him uh, one of these days. You know, I think you'd like that. He's, <laughs> he's a very interesting person. Yeah. Well, I know uh, I know I'm going to have my dad on, uh, and we're going to talk about family history and oh, okay. he's and uh, his time in the Boy Scouts. So we're gonna that's going to be a future show too. He he, he was a teacher too. Okay. I'm actually, I'm actually a fourth generation teacher. Uh-huh. Uh huh. My great grandfather Thomas, who died. When I was very young, and I don't remember him, started the first public school in a coal mining town called Wyano, Pennsylvania. Okay. With my grandmother. My grandmother is still alive at 105 years old. Wow. I just saw her on Easter. They started the first public high school, and mm-hmm. she taught her own brothers and sisters. And then uh-huh. moved to Michigan, where I live, because she got a teaching job there and married my my grandfather and had my father uh-huh. and I'm, um, I'm a fourth generation teacher as is my wife and my sister-in-law uh-huh. just about everybody i have a family joke and say that we're all smart and we're all broke yeah <laughs> 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 that's that's kind of how that's kind of how you slice and dice it when you get into teaching yes. and it, sh- it shouldn't be like that but that's the way it is yeah i'll well, yeah. tell you a neat story about her and i did not know this I didn't know this until real recently. So she's into genealogy. Uh-huh. She traced her genealogy all the way back to her roots in Scotland, England. Uh-huh. That's, that's where my family's Aren't from, you? too. Yeah. 
Well, um, yeah, they're all Presbyterians, which is where the Scottish Church uh-huh. started. Yeah. And she had a relative named Captain Philip Reagan who fought in the Revolution. Okay. So I said to her, you know, Grandma, why don't you be a member of the Daughters of the American Revolution? Uh-huh. And she told me she wouldn't do it because way back in like 1935, I don't know the year, but uh-huh. in the 30s, Marian Anderson, who was African-American contralto, wanted to sing at Constitution Hall. Uh-huh. And the Daughters of the American Revolution wouldn't do it. Oh. So Eleanor Roosevelt withdrew her membership. Uh-huh. And for all those years that I'd known her, for all those years that I'd known her, I didn't know that Eleanor Van Dyke, my, my paternal grandmother, wouldn't be a member of the Daughters of the American Revolution. Now, the DAR has since apologized for that. that right. Was, you know, 70 years ago. Right. But... She well, good, good for her and good for Eleanor Roosevelt. Well, well, That's wanna, something I didn't know. Well, you want to hear something wonderful? So then um, I have a lot of African-American kids, and they took a whole lot of pride in Obama's election. Uh-huh. All politics aside, they were right. proud of it. So I, I made sure that when he, when he took the oath of office for the inauguration the first time that the kids were there and they could see it. I uh-huh. could go into the library and turn the TV on, and one little boy stood up and applauded. Uh-huh. I thought, man, that's really cool. Yeah. So I called his mother from home that night. I called his mother and said, Laron did this. And I was uh-huh. so proud because the other kid, the other kid didn't care at all. Uh-huh. It was just boring to him. But yeah. And, and then I told her the story of my grandmother. And she said, you know, a whole lot of white folks helped us with civil rights, too. Mm-hmm. And I was just so, I'm getting chills just thinking about how, how much that meant to me. How oh, yeah. That she wouldn't do that. Yeah, that's, and, that's big. And he, even... More so is that I didn't even know about it, uh-huh. that she didn't call attention to it. Right. Yeah, that's, that, that, that is a really neat story. Well, Dave, I'm going to post links to your website and okay. Facebook page, but uh, just uh, can, can you let us know how to f- uh, find out wh- when the band's playing yeah. and also how to get this wonderful CD that you, uh, that you kindly gave me a copy of? You can get everything at vandykereview.org. Okay. V-A-N-D-Y-K-E-R-E-V-U-E.org. Okay. I also got to give a plug to my mom. My mom is a minister for the disabled. Okay. And um, she started her own ministry because I have a brother that is disabled. Uh-huh. And in his name, it's called Lovability. Okay. Just put that together for a long time. So okay. Lovability.org. Okay. And I'll make sure to post a link to that okay. when I post our interview. Folks, don't turn off your computer or your player just yet because uh, following this interview, I'm going to let you preview a track from A Decade of David and the Goliaths titled Evil Knievel Never Died. And that's kind of how I, I uh, fell in love with Dave's music. Thanks for tuning in. And Dave, thank you very much. Oh, my pleasure. He made, uh, Dave actually made the drive all the way way to Mishawaka to uh, my my house to do the interview and I appreciate that. Thanks Dave. Thank you. Evil Knievel was a daredevil who rode a motorcycle in the sky put a helmet on his head and everybody said that Evil Knievel never die Evil Knievel never die Evil Knievel was a daredevil who rode a motorcycle in the sky Put a helmet on his head and everybody said that Evil Knievel never die Evil Knievel never die
decade of David and Goliath, stories that were mostly a lie. Wild turkey and his cane, people said he's insane, and evil can evil never die. Evil can evil never die. Jump Snake River Canyon In a sky cycle that wouldn't fly Well he rode the X2 And he rode for me and you And evil can evil never die Evil can evil never die A parachute popped engine failure And we thought evil was gonna fry Covers were a breeze back in the 70s And evil can evil never die No, evil can evil never die Evil finally died in 07 At his funeral there wore to dry eye Matt McConaughey, you just a K And evil can evil never die Evil can evil never die Evil can evil never die Great news! For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right, one month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details. Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner, really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. 